welcome to AIJCast, a podcast featuring conversations and performances at the intersection of art, inspiration, and justice. I'm your host, Marthane Sanders. On this episode, part one of our conversation with Garrett Turner. Garrett is an actor, a writer, and a teacher, and he spoke with us from New York City. Garrett Turner, welcome to AIJCast. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for having me. You are, like many artists, a multi-hyphenate. Your um, background as an actor is particularly in musical theater, but not exclusively. So could you tell us a little bit about acting? Yeah, absolutely. Acting came late in a way in my life. Um, I wasn't in my first play until my senior year of high school. And that was because we just always did a senior play at Mm. my high school and basically it was a really small high school and like most of the people in the class would be in it and it was just fun um but we did charlotte's web and i played templeton this will be a night to remember and had a phenomenal time and i i just remember like after one of my scenes like slinking away and getting exit applause and that just feeling really great (laughs) um yeah and so that's when I kind of got caught into the acting thing. And then when I got to undergrad, I didn't actually like major in theater. And the only play that I did there was a play that I wrote my final year. Mm. So, you know, there were a lot of other things going on until acting clicked in as, say, a primary career Um after after I graduated undergrad and decided to do my master's in music theater. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and so thus far in the industry, I've done mostly musicals, uh, which I love and which mm-hmm. are great, but I'm also trying to branch out to... I have done several straight plays the past couple of years, and also this year, like the first few TV gigs and voiceover gigs and, and all those things. So, yeah, it's, it's acting that ended up winning out. This is really helpful for me because one of the things I hear is there's a di- there's a lot of different places where acting can land, right? So you've got the the TV things like you know Law and Order SVU kind of stuff. Uh, you've got the live theater and and you've got musical theater. How how would you kind of assess the difference between those for you as an actor as a as an artist? In a number of ways, uh, financially for one. <laughs> in that there just tends to be more money in TV and film right. just because of the wider audience and the broadcast availability, right? Um, and then, I, you know, I think they are the same, that there are links throughout all of them. Basically, it, it's just different challenges for different mediums. Mm. I, the one that I love the most is the stage because um, it's the most live and it, to me feels the most organic, you know, it's just your body in space in front of people. Um, oftentimes you have something rehearsed to do. Sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. But it's like you just have to hold that space in front of those people uh, <laughs> is the whole sort of challenge and have them be engaged in, you know, whether it's a story or whether it's like nonlinear or non-narrative and just a performance. Yeah. Um, but, but, but yeah, so... I, I do think, though, um, the thread between all of them is storytelling. Um, I, I mean, so, like, this year for the scene that I filmed for Law & Order SVU was probably the most 
technical acting I've ever been paid to do. I met her one time at a cooking class. I mentioned I liked her souffle. Next thing I know, she's blown up my Facebook Messenger. Okay, but was there some flirtation going on between you two? I was just trying to be nice. You know, it's a show that's already going on, yeah. and I'm coming in to play this one role in it, and so there's all these people who are super comfortable in this machine. You know, I was waiting at the place to film, and about like 40 people showed up, and they just started setting up. In comes uh, Lucy Liu, who directed the episode. She was like, hey, nice to meet you. Here are the actors. Okay, let's read through the thing. Boom, 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 boom. And it's like, I almost got run over by this machine, right. and it was all I could do to just remember my lines, you know, hit my mark, and <laughs> try to seem like a person in front of like all these cameras <laughs> looking at me. Um, but I like what you come back to in that moment is the the storytelling. Like yeah. what just what is my purpose here? What is this person trying to do or accomplish? What's happening? Even in like a commercial audition, mm. you know, if all they want you to do is like walk from one side of the room to the other um, w- with like your arm around this woman who you just met outside and like act like you're married, <laughs> there's still like it's surprising how much of a story can be told in that short amount of time. Right. Yeah, you still got to find the thread. You still got to find what's real in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, there's this interesting dynamic of of the live performance is immersive. You're in the character for the duration when you're on stage as opposed to the multiple takes that it takes to do the, the technical proficiency of mm. TV or film, right, where you can break character in between and then you got to go back into it. Yeah. Am I reading that accurately? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, even like immersive in what I hear to be your definition, being constitutive to a live experience. That is like, you can't get out of it. It's like when you, once you step on stage in front of those people, like, Whatever is happening is happening, and you are experiencing it together. Right now, there's something like immersive theater, which is right, right, right. Different That's than a technical... straight play that people talk about. Yeah, I just think the theater experience is immersive in the sense that it's all encompassing, mm-hmm. um, and that like that you putting your body in space and experiencing the emotions of this character are indelibly uh, affected by whatever the audience is going through right. while taking it in. Right. You can't help but take that in and react, and it makes it fluid from from night to night. So, yeah, yeah. it's a different kind of beast for sure. And f- wh- how would you delineate the difference for you between musical theater and non-musical theater? I, so you, you've, you've hit my heart in a way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell a very short anecdote as to why, which is in undergrad, I always – love the classes right at the very beginning um, of a course because generally in the beginning you have to define the terms right right of either what the subject is or what you're going to be going over the semester you're going to d- define the scope yeah. and uh, I actually garnered um, a nickname of the cynic <laughs> in my <laughs> psychology class like my sophomore year or something. Because when the professor was describing what psychology is, the definition was so wide-ranging that I was like, uh, so psychology is like the study of me twiddling my pen here sitting at the <laughs> desk. Like, <laughs> this can be everything. But, so I think essentially it, it can be really difficult to make a dividing, a clear dividing line between theater, 
theater and musical theater, right. as it were, a right, straight sure. play and a musical, uh, because there are plays with music. Um, or, uh, that's a term that's used, right? Which is generally like people don't necessarily sing, right? Uh, but there can be like music underscoring, or there's music in it, or there can be a play where people sing, but it's kind of not all the way throughout, right. and it doesn't help to like push the story forward, you know, and so we acknowledge it as a play. It's mostly dialogue, but there's some music in here. Yeah. Uh, but like, I'm interested in breaking down all of those walls and being like, nah, like how can music live the most organically that it can uh, within within a story? Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I, I could say more about that, but it's it's a it's a really good question, and it, it I think um, trying to answer it as an artist from like whoever's artist spirit can lead to new work in relation mm. to that dialectic. You know? Yeah. Well, and for me, I think that 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 kind of classic understanding of musical theater is the space in which music arises inorganically. Mm. Uh, where, you know, something that wouldn't normally happen in daily life would be suddenly for someone to burst into song. Uh, yeah. But the idea of, you know, suddenly breaking into this narrative song, that that's that seems inorganic. Right. No, indeed. And, uh, you know, the old adage is that in musicals, people start singing uh, when they, they no longer have, like, the, the specific kind of words or, or like just speaking is not enough to express what they're feeling. And then right. suddenly it comes gushing forth, which, yeah, is, is like a trope that can work and has worked numerous times. Sure. Um, but I guess some of the ways that I think about breaking it down is like, like you can have a whole musical where no one sings. That is, for instance, like rap isn't mm-hmm. singing, mm-hmm. you know, but like it's definitely still in the category of music. Still music, yeah. Yeah, now and for myself, I'm interested in spoken word poetry, which is like very akin to rap, uh, but maybe just like fits less in a strict meter sometimes. It can be more free verse, even though sometimes it rhymes, but it definitely has its own yeah, rhythm. Yeah, it's got a rhythmic, uh, there's a rhythmic quality to it. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed, yeah. But so my question is like, so what if there's like a whole theatrical piece that has like lyrics that don't necessarily rhyme, but like feel poetic, but there's a musical underscoring and, you know, but people still have regular conversations, but it, it inter it intertwines. Yeah. I'm just interested in like all of those overlapping categories and breaking them down and, and just like making some dope new stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I think we're, we're hitting on to the next topic I want to get to, which is your, your vocation as a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we jump to that, cause you talk about creation, I'm curious if there are places where you see what you're describing happening, even if it's just in pockets in the theater, people that are doing this kind of poetic uh, linguistic uh, stuff in dialogue and conversation within theater pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yo, it's such an exciting time to be a theater maker, particularly a black theater maker. Um, th- I, I, there's been a real renaissance of new writing yeah. um, going on in New York City at this particular time. Now, mostly like straight plays from what I've seen. But um, for instance, one of my favorite artists uh, is Stu. Is his name, uh, and he wrote a musical called Passing Strange, um, that uh, incidentally won best the Tony Award for best book of a musical the same year that Lin Manuel Miranda's In the Heights 
uh, mm. won the Tony Award for Best Musical. You don't know me and I don't know you. So let's cut to the chase. The name is Stuart. So this is, this is like explosion of new work. You know, Lynn is doing rap music and musicals. But Stu, uh, basically, he had had this band for years. And he just took his band and wrote a story. And it's like this rock musical, except with black people who get to play Berliners and people from Amsterdam and, like, this choir in L.A. And it's this ensemble piece. It's it's singularly dope. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so he's one of those artists who, like, just lives at that intersection of poetry and monologue and song and why do any of these things have to be different and I can just speak and then maybe sing a line uh, but then maybe like do the rest of this poem slash I'm just telling you about my life. It's really gorgeous writing so I would like cite him as foundational of a new wave that's going on. Yeah. Garrett Turner on AIJCast. We'll be back to more of our conversation in just a moment but first... A quick word. As always, I encourage you to check out the AIJCast website, AIJCast.com, where you'll find links to our artists, as well as to their news, events, and products. And at this time of year, I want to say on behalf of all of us at AIJCast, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, and thank you for listening. If you do want to make an end-of-the-year tax-deductible gift to support our work, you can do so through our website, AIJCast.com. Just click on the link that says support. And if you need some last-minute gift ideas for the AIJCast fan in your life, go to the shop section of our website where you'll find some sweet, sweet AIJCast gear. And as always, you can find this information and so much more at our website. Just go to AIJCast.com. And now back to more of our conversation with Garrett Turner. There's a show that I just finished doing, uh, which is a world premiere uh, called Thoughts of a Colored Man, uh, written by Kenan Scott II, um, which infuse, it's a play. It's definitely a play. But there's music throughout, like original music written by some dope artists, uh, as well as like spoken word poetry that's infused throughout. Because Kenan came from like the Poetry Slam community. Uh, and so it's yeah, I think I think work is tilting towards that, towards um, the genre bending and just finding like it's like different ways of putting together meaning to get people to listen in a different manner. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and, and you just made me think of uh, uh, some some stuff that Spike Lee has done recently in the theater. Uh, there was the one man show Rodney King, mm. uh, and then there's his adaptation Waiting for Godot. Mm-hmm. And I, Spike Lee has always done that in his films too, where he has broken down the the traditions of of narrative and music and film style also. Yeah, which uh, to me is like <laughs> as as artists, what we're trying to do is. The f- find these new ways of making and yeah. like back to what we was i was saying earlier about like the live experience it, once you step onto the stage you have this sort of obligation to to engage to to hold attention really mm-hmm. uh because if like folks get bored then like what are what are we doing here why are we sitting here watching you do whatever this thing is so i i think a beautiful way of going about that is questioning what these genres are and pushing them forward yeah well and let's talk about pushing them forward you're a writer uh, let's talk about what that looks like in your life now, where that's been in the past, where you see it going in the future. Yeah. Um, I, so writing has been there for longer than acting. Um, so I went to 
Emory University for undergrad. and uh, We've heard of it, yeah. <laughs> indeed, <laughs> and double majored in music and creative writing. Okay. Um, which, you know, Emory is known for... It's law school, it's med school, it's B school, but it has an incredible creative arts program um, with just some amazing writers there, specifically when I was there, Natasha Trethaway, Kevin Young, um, and like folks in the theater department with whom I took uh, playwriting classes as well. Um, but but so, yeah, I you know, people have different <laughs> approaches to writing. Um, some of my like favorite writers are basically like really wordy writers. I love words. I, <laughs> my characters end up saying a lot of them. Uh, like uh, Aaron Sorkin is one of my favorite writers. The walk and talk um, king. Oh yeah, just like <laughs> give me a good West Wing walk and talk. I'm here for it. Uh, Law and Order actually oh, yeah. is also one of my favorite shows growing up. Yeah, and I just loved how the writing was focused on like the cases that went on, yeah. you know, and, like as opposed to the particular lives of the officers or the lawyers, you know, and what they were going through and the drama in the department, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It really focuses on, no, what is this case? What is What does justice mean? And just like, writes it in a, in a beautiful, uh, yeah, in a beautiful way. So... I I come from there as well as like this spoken word poetry community that I started to get into when I moved to Atlanta. Um, I remember yo performing poems at Java Monkey, which I heard like burned down in Decatur. Which it did. It, it was such a vibrant space uh, that just allowed folks to show up, and the the sort of love surrounding that open mic environment um, was definitely also part of like the genesis of my writing. Um, yeah, so I think what happened is after I moved to London and did my master's in music theater, I moved to New York City and performance took the foreground. Um, I, basically, I've been performing professionally for five years mm. and, you know, praise God that it has been picking up and, you know, I, I have this career that I feel like there, in which can there can be longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just now gotten around to a space where I'm writing again. Uh, and it's like filling up my whole spirit. So I just finished a play um, that is currently entitled An Elegy for Patriarchy or mm. Good Guys and Real Men and Woke Niggas, Oh My. Wow. Would be the full title. Wow. <laughs> yeah, which... I don't know, definitely explores like a lot of the things that I went through throughout my 20s um, of like of like relationships with women, of like traveling around the world and learning, uh, but also just really screwing up (laughs) and a lot of like the lessons I learned. Um, So that's that's a play that I am just now submitting and getting out there. And there's a musical that I'm writing along the lines of all this we've been talking about, yeah. spoken, spoken word poetry, uh, that's currently titled Eleanor, A Church Story, which tells the story of a 14-year-old black woman, uh, young woman from a small town in Tennessee who is endowed with these powers of speech by God mm. and is called to preach, but she goes to a congregation that doesn't allow women to preach. Uh, so she stages a mini revolution in her own church. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do with that is like she's this young poetess yeah. uh, who like spits poems and also has music. And, and I'm 
collaborating with another brother with whom I graduated from Emory. His name is Joel Thompson. Uh, and of course, I have ideas for other projects. But to me, it's like the lifeblood. Uh, because, you know, as actors, we're always dealing with other people's material. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we're trying to figure out who these characters are and how this piece came to be and what's going on beat to beat, moment to moment. Uh, but in order for us to have agency for our own voices, I feel like writing is so important and like getting whatever messages we want to see out there, out there. Yeah. I, that, that clarity of, of being able to create the voice as opposed to interpret the voice, uh, it's just Mm. different, different skills, different places and also different elements of power, I, I think. But although, I mean, they both have power in their own way, it seems to me, but in very, very different ways. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, I don't I don't cast dispersions on anyone who acts and doesn't write or sure. writes and doesn't act, you know, in the industry uh, because, like, we need folks who, mm-hmm. like, zero in, drill down in their one craft and are just, like, super dope. Um, though I think the industry nowadays is asking us to use, like, as many skills as we can. Mm. Um, just, I, I mean, in terms of, like, Making money and having different avenues to revenue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but also in terms of, of f- just finding different ways of, like, yeah, getting a, getting art out there. Well, you, and you've already name-dropped Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean, you were talking about multi-hyphenates. Here's a guy who's a playwright, an actor, a musician, you know, uh, a tremendous gift. And the way that that gift has changed Broadway and and is changing Broadway. I, I wonder if that is a portent of things to come or if it's, you know, or, or if he's unique in that regard. It's a portent of things to come, but it's also a sort of a crest of a wave of things that have been happening okay. <laughs> for quite some time, you know? Uh, and I, I think he found a way in with this in, incredible piece mm-hmm. um, it's to really make it, to make it dope, make it authentic in his way, and to make it commercial. Right. Right. So to to get it it's out a there sweet and spot, get it, yeah. indeed, to get it consumed, um, like to an incredible extent. Uh, but I would I would cite other folks as well. Um, Denai Guerrera. Yeah. Uh, she is a writer. Has had a play on Broadway called Eclipsed, uh, which. Was life changing. Um, she's also an actress. She was in Black Panther, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and like just doing this incredible, living this incredible multi hyphenate life. Yeah. I think about people like Coleman Domingo, who is in like uh, The Walking Dead, but he also wrote some of the Donna Summer musical on Broadway. Uh, and 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 you know, it's something to which I aspire to, to be able to not only flip it between. Uh, the writing and the acting and potentially directing down the way as you know as well as producing like all those things but also yeah. flipping it like from the theater between like plays and musicals to uh, t- TV and film because yeah. like Coleman Domingo was in Selma as well as this TV series and then like also have like this commercial uh, sort of side gig life that yeah that <laughs> keeps stoking the fires as it were well and I wonder if there's something in the nature of American society and the historic marginalization of folk of color that leads to that multi-hyphenate approach to Mm. the arts in terms of 
I'm I need to get my voice out there. I need to get our voice out there so no one else can do all these things along the way. So I'm going to do it myself. I think that is a beautiful point. Um, <laughs> as Jay Z would say, I got a hustler spirit. <laughs> yeah, it's um, the hustling. That is right? so yeah. true. People often have a difficult time understanding <laughs> is that as much as we want to like make art that makes a difference, we also want to provide for ourselves and our families. Right, <laughs> and, right. And just being able to like do those at the same time um, is wild. Let me. So I live in New York City. Yeah. Um, I literally just closed this show, this world premiere at Baltimore Center Stage this past Sunday. Um, I took a train back to New York City on Monday morning, and Monday evening I was working a catering shift, um, you know, pouring the wine and serving some people some food because the check that I got last week, my last check for my gig, which hopefully goes to Broadway soon, was great. But I also want to check next week. And it's it's almost purely logistical. Sure. By which I mean... You need two things. You need like you need your life set up in a way that is flexible enough right. to where you can show up for auditions at the drop of a hat and leave your hometown or the country or wherever to go to work wherever right. within a moment's notice. Uh, but you also need to like have some sort of income. You got to pay the rent. Uh, you got to pay the mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. And gigs like for actors are rarely, uh, they're, they're, they rarely last for years and years. Right. So like, uh, Mar- Mariska Hargitay, yeah. uh, she plays the lead for Law and Order SVU yeah. and she's been playing the same character for like 21 seasons. That happens to basically no one. <laughs> <laughs> like literally just Mariska. Right. Um, but for the rest of us who, like, this contract that I had for this show, uh, Thoughts of a Colored Man, was three months, you know, it, it lasts for that long. And then you have to find something, and it, it could become so much about scheduling, about hustle. And so, you know, the next thing might pop up next week, and then I'm off for another thing. But in, for the two weeks in between, it's like, we got to keep it going. Garrett Turner on AIJCast. You can find him online at his website, Garrett, that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T dash Turner dot com. On our next episode, part two of our conversation with Garrett Turner. AIJCast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. We can only do what we do because of your support. So please do take a moment, go to our website, AIJCast.com and click on the link that says support. And we love to interact with you on social media. We are there on a number of platforms where our handle is AIJCast. Our theme song is written and recorded by the band Mard Fame. Photography support comes from Ely at eleyphoto.com. And we are engineered, mixed, and produced by the always gallant Al Mudif, who keeps trying to convince us that there is such a thing as productionizing. That's a term that's used, right? And I'm your host, Mark Thames Sanders, encouraging you to go and create some beauty of your own. Peace! Peace!